The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. This Ben Jarofsky Show holiday special is brought to you by the Chicago Reader and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Martin Gates of Illinois Hell. Benny J, take it away. <laughs> All right. <laughs> the top five stories of the year. Dennis has told me the top five stories of the year at least four times. And for some reason, I can't remember them. I wonder if this is the early stages of dementia coming up. Hold on one second, D. The brown line. Hey, brown line guys, don't run the train. We're doing the top five, all right? No trains while we're doing the top five. Just stop the trains, okay? Yeah. All right, thank you. Yeah. Sorry, dude. I, just I, don't, tell them. I don't see that happening. <laughs> Six o'clock at night. I'm sure they're pretty busy. Hey, hold on. Wait. Yeah, just hold on. Everybody can wait. No one's the odds. No big rush, okay? Top five. Biggest stories of the year. Yeah, Dennis. Yeah, Dr. Dean's here. Yeah, okay. Yes, Sorry, our, yeah, that's fine. Don't worry about it. You gotta talk to those people on the brown line. Yes, the Ben Jarofsky shows 10 gates of Illinois hell continues. Five down, five more to go. It's the top five local stories, local Chicago and or Illinois, not national. The top five local stories, according to the Ben Jarofsky show. Yes, it is the 10 gates of Illinois hell. All right. Wait, hold on. What? I just want to clarify one thing. What? Is it local stories or okay. national I stories? See what you do. It's, <laughs> it's local stories. I just wanted to get that straight because I was getting a little confused. Wait, you know, uh-huh. you got me freaking out. Let me run into the newsroom just to make sure that's what we're doing here. Hold on. Hey, these are local stories, right? Local? All right, cool. Yeah, they're all local. Okay. <laughs> You know, wouldn't want to miss a mix a national story with a local story, so it's very important. Well, you know, I'm glad uh, you're looking out for us here. (laughs) All right, before we get into our uh, countdown here, beginning with five and working our way to number one, let's go through numbers 10 through 6. All right, we did this last week. You can download this at chicagoreader.com, wherever else you download podcasts. You can check it out on YouTube as well. Okay. Number 10, Bullshit Gate. (laughs) That was the time Kim Fox came on our show and said bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Number nine, number nine, Blago Gate. The time President Donald Trump pardoned former Illinois Governor Rob Blagojevich's prison sentence. Commuted it, but whatever. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. well, commuted, pardoned, whatever. Uh, Number eight, (laughs) Popcorn Gate. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. The time when Chicago cops were oddly caught napping. 
and eating popcorn in Congressman Bobby Rush's office while everyone was beating the hell out of each other during the George Floyd protests. Number seven, Bridgegate. The time Mayor Lori Lightfoot raised bridges and closed access to downtown after said George Floyd protests. And number six, which uh, thanks to Michael Girardi, we learned uh, may actually not be a uh, gate, an actual gate. But man, we talked about it a lot. All right. Fair tax gate. The time Governor Pritzker's fair tax initiative failed in the 2020 Illinois general election. All right. Fair tax gate is also known as Phyllis Gate. Go uh, ahead, also, please. yes, it is also known as Phyllis Gate. So uh, I guess that's a, a farewell to uh, those stories as we move on to the year 2021. Ben, anything you'd like to say before uh, we move on to the countdown? Any, any parting words for these stories we just talked about? Uh if I never hear the Phyllis commercial again, it'll be too soon. Hold on, brown line. Hey, what I tell you? What? You know, D, they don't listen to me anymore at the brown line. It's still coming. Sorry about that. Oh. Uh, these uh, every I, I don't think we've heard the last. I'm going to make a prediction here. I believe we've heard the last of Bullshit Gate. Uh, we've definitely not heard the last of Blago Gate. Oh, no. I'm expecting the distinction. I'm, I think a Trump pardon may occur on these last, what is it, two weeks, two and a half weeks of uh, Donald Trump's presidency. Uh, so a pardon would enable uh, Blago to run for uh, Cong- uh, for uh, oh Congress or governor again. Popcorn Gate, mm, we may not have heard the end of that one day because there could be an investigation. Bridgegate, I think, is with us forever. That's going to be the mayor's routine go-to whenever there's any sense that there might be trouble in the loop. And unfortunately, Fair Tax Gate will be paying the uh, price for that uh, as our state taxes go up across the board. Heck of a job, voters. So I think actually all these stories, with the exception of uh, Kim Fox and Bullshit Gate will be with us uh, in the coming year. Oh, and thanks to a particular podcast producer, ah, you haven't heard the last of Phyllis, trust me. Springfield politicians, <laughs> they promise they won't tax retirement uh, income Philly. if their constitutional amendment passes. Ah, Phyllis, Phyllis. By the way, I thought, I'm pretty sure it was going by fast. I think I saw Phyllis driving the brown line. Oh, okay. <laughs> Picking up a little extra change uh, at the holiday time. You know, yeah, Phyllis driving the brown line. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so here we go. Number five through one. Frank, what's happening? Brianna, what's going on? Let's continue our 10 gates of Illinois hell. The 10 gates. Of Illinois. <laughs> Guys, I put a lot of work into that intro, all right? Got to play it as many times as I can. <laughs> I really like the intro, I just want to say. Oh, you too? <laughs> yeah, I like it a lot. Yeah. I'm sure I've been having nightmares the past week, but you know, it's worth it. It's worth it. All right, it's time for number five. Number five. <laughs> number five. Is Reefergate. Oh, yeah. The time when recreational marijuana became legal in Illinois. But moreover, when the state announced its uber shady lottery process for rewarding recreational cannabis licenses. January 1st, 2020, recreational cannabis became legal in the state of Illinois. Ben, before we get to that lottery, what do you think so far about uh, Illinois legalizing reefer? 
Well, I have mixed feelings on the subject, uh, Dennis. We were just talking about this earlier today. I have mixed feelings, and we'll be talking about this. I know this is one story that will definitely live into 2021. Mixed stories, because on one hand, I do believe that marijuana should be legalized. Uh, I thought it was absurd that it was ever illegal. It's been, uh, God, how many years of my life, reefer smoking life, it's been illegal. And I've just watched the evolution of... Uh, marijuana from across the board sort of paranoia about getting busted to it's only something that black people get arrested for and white people don't get arrested for it. So I think it's uh, about time that uh, it was legalized. I think it should be legalized across the the country, obviously. That's the next big fight in this front. But the way we did it in Illinois, I don't know, D. It just really grinds my gears. I can't get over it. As you pointed out, the ongoing uh, saga of opening up dispensaries across the state, somehow or other, when they were done doling out the licenses, the only people who got them were rich white guys. How did that happen? You know, the whole war on drugs was hit hardest on black people, but somehow or other, it was rich white guys that got it. It just like really rubbed me the wrong way. We had so many guests come on. Uh, Vincent Norman, very uh, uh, familiar face on our show, very popular guest on our show, comes on all the time to talk about it. Um, Michael Malcolm came on. Uh, Lisa Solomon from The Reader comes on. We're going to have another guest talking awesome. about it. Al Harrington will be on Tuesday. Uh, the NBA Tuesday basketball show. player Al Harrington? Yes. I'm, that is no joke. Al oh, Harrington, I better clean yes. my apartment up. Yeah. You- <laughs> or at least this little corner that everybody can see. Yeah, no, the um, Al Harrington, who was a uh, played for the uh, Indiana Pacers back in the now, 90s and the Toronto Raptors. Uh, Golden State Warriors. What was the last team? Played for the Golden State Warriors. was unaware of that, but you're probably correct. I believe you did. Our, uh, what's that? I said I believe you did, yes. Yeah, I believe you did, yeah. Anyway, um, he will be on the show. He uh, is in the business, he's in the industry, and he's trying to get a foothold in Chicago. So, yeah, so this... Somehow it just break down where the state of Illinois is incapable of setting up a system that would benefit some black entrepreneurs. Uh, and there's still resistance uh, when Kim Fox proposed that uh, she expunge the cases of uh, drug dealers uh, in the state. There's still resistance, you know, even though like the state is officially in the game <laughs> of dealing drugs, drugs that were once considered illegal and just dangerous. Somehow or other, it's still horrible. And we can't even uh, remotely justify expunging the records. And I just want to say this. When I think back to Prohibition. I believe uh, the Kennedy fortune, Joseph Kennedy, Joe Kennedy, the father of John Fitzgerald Kennedy, the president of the United States, father of Bobby Kennedy, their money, Joe Kennedy made money in Prohibition. You know, so he was part of the illegal alcohol trade. So somehow or other, they forgave the Kennedys. But we can't forgive drug dealers, you know, of marijuana. And uh, so we just have this really bizarre, twisted notion that is still embedded in our heads as a society. We haven't gotten rid of it about what marijuana, whether how dangerous it is, you know, the kind of messages we want to send out about marijuana, uh, it's now it's 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 like a parody. The people who run the uh, uh, the dispensaries are considered essential workers in the pandemic because people need their reefer. And yet 
a year ago, the people who were providing the people who needed the reefer were considered dangerous criminals. Like one step above the cartel in Mexico, you know? So, and everybody knows, here's the other thing, B. All the reefer heads are now line up outside of a legal dispensary. Just a year ago, we're buying it from Billy Bob, you know? Uh, you, ah, yes, uh, Billy Bob the weed <laughs> dealer. We all know that guy. <laughs> so, you know, it's like this part of the whole hypocrisy of it all. You know, they mostly middle America just keeps its head down, not wanting to get arrested or busted. So, you know, I don't know. you ask an average citizen, uh, should they expunge a record of someone who was uh, busted for selling reefer? I don't know. It's a serious violation. Oh, yeah? Really? Did you ever buy it? Well, of course, <laughs> in my earlier days. So, Dee, we will be talking about Reefergate um, throughout the year. The state of Illinois will be becoming more and more dependent on the proceeds, uh, the tax proceeds from selling reefer. Uh, there will be an attempt throughout the year. You watch J.B. Pritzker uh, will attempt to try to make sure that some black entrepreneurs get a hold of dispensary licenses. We'll be watching as conglomerates really powerful, rich reefer conglomerates move further into the market, you know, buying up the smaller entities. We'll be watching this story unfold. And I won't stop talking about the utter hypocrisy of it because really what it is, it's just like the final chapters of the war on drugs, which uh, have hit hardest at certain communities and certain people and certain families and those certain families that took the biggest beating, of course, are not the beneficiaries uh, if, of legal reefer. So, yes, Reefergate will be living with us in 2021, right. D, just as bad as it is in 2020. Well, let's talk about the lottery specifically here. Um, wait, hold on a second. <laughs> All right, now let's talk about the lottery part here. So the earliest story I can find on this goes back to September 1st, 2020. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times. And yes, the winner of the Ben Jarofsky Show's Chicago Journalist of the Year, Tommy Two Joint Shuba. That's safe to say, right, Ben? Yeah, although I, I thought his nickname was Tommy. All I want for Christmas is two joints, Shuba. That, well, that, earlier today, it was Tommy three, two joints, one. Happy New Year. <laughs> Yeah, Shuba. Tommy had a hell of a year. Great year. Yes. it's. I don't know. Maya. Maya's in the running. Maya is in the running. And Maya's also, Maya the... does come on the show, so maybe yeah. she is our journalist of the year. I, you know, and Ramana Hussein. You know, I mean, I mean Tommy. Ah, he's yeah. had a hell old, of a year. Old Scooter Shuba just scooting away from the Jarofsky show. We got to get know. him on the program. If you've come in third, that's still pretty good. So, you know, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, he's just saying. But uh, Shuba, for real, though, man, you've done a great job this year. Um, so Shuba writes, state officials announced Thursday. This Once again, September 1st, 2020. State officials announced Thursday the next round of long-delayed and highly sought-after cannabis dispensary licenses will be awarded in a lottery later this month. The, 12, or the 21 qualifying applicants for the 75 new licenses were informed after a global accounting firm... <laughs> 
That's where you know it's going to go bad. Global accounting <laughs> firm finished grading 4,518 applications according to the Illinois Department of Financial and Professional Regulation. All those applicants receive perfect scores and qualify as social equity candidates, meaning they were afforded a leg up in the application process as part of the state's effort to build diversity in an industry dominated by white men. Yeah, that was the early oh. story I can find on all this. What, what year? What what day was that? Uh, September first, twenty twenty. Yeah, uh, we've been talking about this all year. I think we were talking about it before because uh, we were bringing people on the show who had applied to the lottery, and so they were talking about their chances. Uh, and uh, yeah, the, the lottery that was set up, the system that was set up, it, it, to guarantee uh, the social equity. I like how they use social equity. See, I'm, I'm old school. I'm an old boomer. I would say. Oh, you could take school out of that sentence, but go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> to, to guarantee <laughs> that some black people get a license. But, you know, it was explained to me, well, Ben, you can't just set aside a license for a black person because that's reverse discrimination. What a joke. How they turn discrimination. Into, they've weaponized it against black people. Somehow or other, the very thing that was like undercutting black people for 400 years is now a weapon used against them. Unbelievable. This country is remarkably adaptable, adaptable at these things. But uh, anyway, so I'm not allowed to say, uh, you know, to, to make sure that black people get licensed, but social equity license. Well, whatever. The people who got the license somehow or other when it was all said and done, uh, were not black. And, um, yeah, and then we discovered that there was one applicant uh, who had somebody uh, in, was part of the application that worked for the company that was doing the evaluations. I remember that Tommy Schubert really did have a great year. He was cranking out these stories one after another. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I remember that. Uh, and just then there was a group of applicants who got the, the licenses and sued because they were afraid that when, if the application process was open up again, they would, they wouldn't get the license or they wanted to get the license faster. I think that the lawsuit failed. So it's just not worked out. Well, let's just put it mildly. It has not worked out. Well, the process that was set up to guarantee some equity and fairness. All right. It's number five in our 10 gates of Illinois hell countdown reefer gate. Now on to number four. Number four. for money. Holy cow. Wow. <laughs> number four went down on July 24th, 2020. It's Columbus Statue Gate. Oh, yeah. That's right. The time when Mayor Lori Lightfoot ordered that Chicago's Christopher Columbus statues be removed. What a bold move that was. Wait, hold on. There's more. Temporarily. <laughs> the following comes from CBS2 Chicago. After protests, demonstrations, and violent clashes with police, Chicago's Christopher Columbus statues have been removed from both Grant Park and Origo Park. CBS2's Marissa Parra reported crowds cheered overnight as the Grant Park statue was removed by the city. Uh, the statue in Little Italy was removed early Friday morning. A third statue of Columbus in the South Shore neighborhood has not been removed. The statue, which is part of a fountain, was built in 1892 and moved to its current location at 92nd Street and Exchange Avenues in 1909. It was built to mark the 400th anniversary of Columbus's voyage to the way. Well, yeah, you know who cares? It's down. Columbus Gate. Columbus Statue Gate. Ben Jarofsky, you remember that well, don't you? Oh, yeah. 
this is an ongoing story uh, during, um, yeah, much much of the summer. You say July? Was that one? <clears throat> wow, I thought it was later in the summer. Uh, we had guests on who talked about uh, witnessing it, uh, the uh, taking down of the statue. And, yeah, it, 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 it was all part of the disorder and um, the marches and protests uh, in the aftermath of George Floyd's uh, a murder by police in Minnesota. We talked a lot about this in the last show, Popcorn Gate as well, and Bridgegate emerged from uh, the unrest over the summer. Columbus Gate, Columbus Statue Gate was a subset of this because the protests against police brutality uh, in Chicago quickly morphed into a, just a larger protest against symbols of, of racism in this country that have existed forever. And it was a time, we talked about this uh, with Romana, uh, well, like, for one brief moment, America, or at least a portion of America, was coming to terms with its racist past. And that happened uh, from lately, late May um, to August. And then it's like, all right, enough of that. Enough looking at the mirror. I'm tired of it. There was some riots, you know. I don't know. That was yesterday's news. I'm moving on. And as part of that examination of our past, we started looking at all these statues that we have, like statues commemorating Confederate war leaders, generals, uh, forts, U.S. forts that are named for Confederate leaders. Why? Why would you give such an honor and distinction to the people who led a civil war against this country in, in order to keep a huge chunk of Americans in bondage? They were fighting for the right to have slaves. Why would you commemorate that? And additionally, yeah, why would you commemorate Columbus? I mean, the legacy of the uh, invasion, if you will, the settlement of the United States by people from Europe and the uh, genocide of the Native Americans who already lived here is not something you would want to celebrate. The passions among Italian-American community was strong. It was as though they felt personally uh, under siege. And so when you had the anti-statues activists converging on a statue, they'd be met by pro-statue counter-protesters. And soon the Fraternal Order of Police embraced this movement, uh, or at least the current leadership of the Fraternal Order Police, as somehow or other, the effort to take down the Columbus statute was disrespectful to policemen. Not quite sure how that conclusion was drawn, but drawn it was. And soon you had the uh, Republican senatorial candidate giving speeches as Republicans, Donald Trump was leading the charge how dare they take down our history? Oh, it's getting better. It's getting better. <laughs> I don't believe Donald Trump ever got higher than a C in history in his entire life. Okay? And it was a gentleman's C where they go, all right, we're going to give you a C, Donald, just to get you out of this class and move you on. But suddenly he was concerned about history and our country. And then there was these confrontations, these monumental confrontations. There was that one with the judge uh, at the Columbus statue uh, in the near west side uh, in Little Italy. And we talked about that one forever, Dan. I don't know if you remember that. But that's where this judge, a retired judge, 
who is now in the like uh, the business of conciliation. You know, uh, he's like the person you bring in to work out compromises and disputes. Had himself a comp- uh, confrontation with a protester who annoyed him so much that the judge took a swing at the protest. Remember that one, D? The judge took a swing, and I was like, "Oh man, yeah, yeah." Judge, it's a, that guy must have been a boxer back in the day. With it was a good thing he didn't connect. Uh, and there was, and then at that, what a year, same. man! What a year! This guy's—he's he, a specialist in uh, what is it? Uh, re, uh, dispute mediation. That's his specialty. Only in Chicago would a specialist in dispute uh, mediation take a swing at somebody in the middle of a dispute. And the guy looked like he was like seventeen or something. I remember that. Yeah, it was a skinny guy. I just remember that judge. I, I know I'm. It's like concentrating in the wrong part of it, but I was thinking, God damn, that judge must have been a boxer. That's a hell of a swing. At that same statue later in the day, and it's captured uh, in the movie City So Real, Part Five. I urge everybody. That to me is the most sobering uh, part of that uh, series, where they talk about what the uh, protests and the unrest that went down this summer. Uh, they there was. Uh, a protester, a counter-protester sh- showed up to defend the statue and he was yelling uh, at, the, at the, the people who were against the statue, don't mess with my cousin! Don't mess with my cousin! And his cousin, of course, is Columbus, which is like so absurd, I'm not quite sure. Somehow or other, it became a personal thing. It's like, we have really lost our mind, Chicago. And so, you know what? The decision by Lori Lightfoot was truly probably her greatest moment this year, D. Like her wisest moment to move that statue. Uh, and remember the this uh, activists were protesting outside of Lori Lightfoot's house. They were coming into Logan Square to protest, and the word broke that the statue had been was was either had been moved or was going to be moved. And they were suddenly went from pro- protesting and chanting to celebration. And then they moved the protest. They moved the statue. Very bizarre night. And you're right. There was one, all of a sudden, oh, God, the city of Chicago. I could just hear the phone call coming in. A bus. It turns out there's another statue on the south side. And they're like, I could just imagine the mayor go, wait a minute. I thought there was a statue in Grand Park. There's a statue a little late night. Tell me there's a third statue. Oh, uh, yeah. Can you imagine being the poor, unfortunate soul and it break that news to Lori Lightfoot? I will take your car. Do you think she talks that way to her staff? But but Mayor Lightfoot, I took the train. You're not. I'm taking your CTA pass. So yeah, they had this third statue, and the protesters like, are we going to protest at this third statue? And they're like, ah, it's too far. Let's it's too. It's the southeast side. Well, then it was the the temporarily part was was, what threw me off. Like, all right, we're going to remove it temporarily. Like, what's that mean? You know what I mean? Well, that's that's Lori being smart. See, that's why she's the mayor. And we're not. And you're just a producer of a show whose host looks out at a porta potty. True. That's why. True. When you put it that because way, yeah. she says, she goes, "We're going to study the issue <laughs> right now, as we speak." D in City Hall, there are aides to Lori Lightfoot with books open to Columbus, and they're studying it the way scholars like would study, you know. Hebrew scholars, the the Talmud, they're studying 
Christopher Columbus. And there's and lawyer, every now and then, Mayor Lori Lightfoot comes in and says, guys, have take a break. And they at least have coffee. No, we've been up for 10 hours studying Columbus. We're still studying the Columbus and the statue because it's a very important thing. But see, that was the brilliance of Lori Lightfoot. So what she was saying to the the pro-statue movement, well, he may bring it back. We'll just take a little time out while we study the matter. Temporarily, D. I think we all agree that no Can you imagine if, like in the June, Mayor Lori Lightfoot has a press conference? Uh, but I'd like to announce that after a careful study and review and much studying, and I can I just thank these young scholars? They didn't even break for coffee or lunch. All they did was study this statue, and they've come to the conclusion that we should return the statues. So they're coming back tomorrow. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Everybody, huh? Well, we, we did the study. So yeah, no, I gotta give uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot credit. Yeah, it took her a year to out temporarily. So that could, you know, that, that that way the pro-statue people could say, well, they could be coming back. And the anti-statue people could say, yes, it's a great victory. Everybody's happy. Everybody loves the mayor, particularly in the north side. So, yeah, the uh, statue gate. Uh, Chicago at its finest. When that judge threw that punch, his specialty is mediating disputes. And he was mediating that dispute with a wicked rights. I mean, if good thing I didn't land because that thing was thrown hard. That's my city. Could have lived anywhere, D. I chose to live here. Once again, it's number four on our 10 gates of Illinois hell countdown. Columbus Statue Gate. The time when Mayor Lightfoot ordered the Chicago's Christopher Columbus statues be removed. All right. The countdown continues here. We've made it to the final three. Ben, how are you feeling about our list so far? I'm so excited. I'm oh, just really? really wondering what three, two, and one could be. Oh, you too, huh? Yes. All right, on to number three. Let's do this. Number three. Here What the hell? Our third top story actually just happened about two weeks ago. And we still don't have the appropriate gate title for the story. We'll be taking your suggestions on the live stream chat or via email, bennyjshow at gmail.com as they come along. I'm looking at you, Mike Girardi. But the story uh, still made the countdown nonetheless here. Uh, for now, I'm calling it Lori Ligate. <laughs> yeah. uh, Lori Ligate. Yes. The time Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot admitted to her acknowledgement of the released video from CBS2 in December of a botched police raid, leaving an innocent Anjanette Young handcuffed and naked over a half hour. The botched raid happened in February of 2019. Before Lori Lightfoot became mayor, CBS put out the video. Mayor Lightfoot said she knew nothing about it. But after we all learned that her lawyers actively tried to prevent CBS from airing the video, eh, the mayor then admitted she knew about the police body cam footage the whole time. Since then, well, there's been a lot. Upset Alderman and more. Ben, take it from here. Yeah. Uh, I believe it was Mays Jackson. Uh, who was the one who coined it. Remember when he came on the show, Mays Jackson, who's been very critical of Lori Lightfoot, he called, what did he call her, liar? It's hard for me, Mayor Liar Lightfoot, is that what, was that what he said? Yeah, something yeah, like something like that. Something like that. Uh, so, I, you know, credit where credit is due, Mays Jackson. Um, 
Wow. I mean, all these stories are upsetting uh, in one way or another. And uh, I guess confession time here, D, part of how I get through life is finding like the really dark, twisted humor at the heart of something that's really upsetting. Uh, So, you know, this one here, that raid was so, I mean, upsetting. You know, I saw Dave, shout out to Dave Savini, Channel 2 reporter, broke the story, had the footage. I remember Maya uh, was the one who told me about it. I, I didn't watch Channel 2 News. I, I don't watch TV news, so I had missed it. And she said, had you heard about this? She was coming on the show. And I said, no. And so she uh, sent me the link, and I watched it. And it was, I just, I, I, just the, the police breaking in, uh, breaking through the door. And everything is, you could see it all. I've talked about it so much because they had their cameras on. Uh, and Anjanette Young pleading with them. You've come to the wrong house. And Anjanette Young was alone in her house. She was naked. And they handcuffed her behind her back, her hand behind her back, while they searched for some mysterious criminal who did not exist in that house. And it was pretty obvious, I guess, after like a minute that they had made a mistake. But no, they kept her in handcuffs. And then after a while, they came to the conclusion that maybe a good idea to let her put some clothes on. So they take her handcuffs off to get the clothes on. Then they put the handcuffs on. I mean, what I just think about when it adds up, it's kind of like it's. It's it's just so over the top. And. It says so much about what's wrong with policing in America today that this would happen in a country, the land of the free. And Lori Lightfoot's people keep emphasizing that it it happened under Rom's watch, like Rom himself sanctioned it. Like somehow or other, she can't be held accountable for it because it happened before she took office. Well, okay, I'm sure Rom didn't order the raid himself. It's what happened in the aftermath of the raid that aggravates the injustice of the raid. And what happened in the aftermath of the raid was a resistance on the part of the law department, which is very much under the control of Mayor Lori Lightfoot. The resistance of the law department to see to it that justice was meted out, that people, police were held accountable for that raid, that there was an investigation. There was no investigation. There was nobody called in to answer why was there a breakdown in the first place that led them to go to the wrong house. But more to the point, what is it about police training that you're so, what, hostile, distrustful, of one woman in her home, completely unarmed, naked, that you would keep her in handcuffs for all that time. So that's like, yes, the raid occurred uh, under Rom, but the gross indifference to what happened occurred under Lori Lightfoot's watch. And only 
when Channel 2 aired that video, a video that they obtained because Anjanette Young's lawyer gave it to them over the fierce objection of the city, only when that video was aired did the city finally, after Lori Lightfoot, how did Monroe put it, misspoke, after Lori Lightfoot misspoke and said she knew nothing about it, only then did they do a complete 180. And now it's almost embarrassing how much of a 180 they're doing. Instead of acknowledging that there was probably a practice on the part of the law department to fight hard against anyone who sued the city. You could make an argument that it was for the fiduciary interests of the taxpayers, but at least it would be more honest if you were open about the policies of the law department in regards to incidents like this. So Dee, this is very upsetting because obviously the parallels to Laquan McDonald are just overwhelming. You know, the resistance of the city to releasing the evidence that showed that the police were up to no good. The indifference to the consequences for the victims. And then of course, the uh, <laughs> lying. Remember, Mary Rahm, I never saw the video until you saw it. On the part of our leaders, who, both of whom have promised transparency. Very disappointing for me, uh, regards to Lori Lightfoot, because she campaigned as a police reformer. And in many ways, it was Laquan McDonald's fallout that led to her election. And it's very disappointing to see her administration would be following some of the same practices. So, D, this will definitely be a story uh, that uh, exists in 2021 as Mayor Lori Lightfoot releases emails that are supposedly going to show what she knew and when she knew it and sort of put together a timeline. There was, she's already uh, asked a f- retired federal judge to uh, do an investigation. So she's going to investigate herself. Uh, There may be an inspector general investigation, you know, so this story will very much uh, live on in the next year. Well, yeah, we were just talking about that uh, as we were talking with Ramana, uh, which by the way, you'll be able to hear uh, during the holiday weekend, Ramana Hussain, Uh, Ramana mania, maybe the the WrestleMania of all Ramana rundowns. All right, I'm done with that. Uh, But the news broke that, yeah, the uh, emails are starting to leak now about this. And uh, you said it. uh, I may be right on the predictions. I mean. Yeah. So the other uh, we're finding uh, humor in uh, things that aren't funny. Uh, Mayor Ramos notorious when he got in trouble and had to release emails or had to release city records, uh, releasing them at the worst moments, the most inconvenient moments for the reporters who had to write about them. Uh, And usually that would be like on the eve of a holiday, like right before Thanksgiving or something. Uh, And he would release them so that it would be a twofer for the mayor. One, it would annoy the hell out of the reporters who couldn't spend time with their family. And two, it would guarantee that the story would break at a time when very few people would be paying attention to. You could just almost hear Rom cackling. (laughs) That shows them how dare they ask for public records. You know, so I would say, well, you know, 
Let's see how much uh, different there is between uh, Lori Lightfoot and Mayor Rahm. Dee, what do you think? Is she going to release these uh, emails? People have been asking for the emails. You know, they're right there in the computer. She's going to release them the day of. Just saying. Oh, no, Ben. I could just hear the mayor's people. No, Ben. You, <laughs> but you understand there has to be a careful scrutiny to take out phone numbers and stuff. Okay. Whatever. Uh, so uh, I said, well, what do you think? Uh, Christmas Eve? They released some Christmas Eve? And uh, Dennis said, no, I think they're coming out on New Year's Eve. Well, you know, she released some today, but then she, when she released them today is December 30th. So it's the day before uh, New Year's Eve. She released them some, but she made it clear that there's many more to come. So you may be right when all is said and done, Dean. I believe there's a $20,000 prize for the person who... <laughs> Don't tease me like that. <laughs> Checks in the mail, young hey, man. You know I'm a broke ass. Okay. Um, but Ben, I got to ask you here. Uh, I thought about it, you know. You were doing the comparisons and all that, so I got to ask you. We're now coming into year two of Mayor Lightfoot. Um... Where is she comparing on the ROM scale to you, man? She's still not as bad as ROM. And uh, ROM Emanuel, eight, those first four years were so wretched. Uh, and he had such contempt for absolutely everybody uh, in the city who wasn't rich. And uh, just the things he did, when I think back to it, the closing the schools while throwing TIF dollars at uh, wealthy developers, Say we don't have money for schools, but we we don't have money for health clinics, but we do have money to build upscale hotels, etc., uh, with public dollars. All that together, and just provoking a teacher strike. I don't think we will ever have a stretch of such obnoxiousness on the part of a mayor of Chicago who had such utter contempt for the people who lived in his city and thought so little of them and thought they were so stupid. Uh, so I would say that uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot has a way to go before uh, she catches up with Rom on that le- on that front. All right, just just gauging, just seeing how you felt on that. It's our number three ten or number three story in our ten gates of Illinois hell. Boy, I'm getting confused on all this. It's our number three story in our ten gates of Illinois hell. Lori Ligate, the time, just made it up, the time Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot admitted to her acknowledgement of the release video from CBS2 in December of a botched police raid leaving an innocent Anne Jeanette Young handcuffed for over a half an hour. And then there were two. The Ten Gates of Illinois Hell. Oh, buddy, two more stories. <laughs> what could they be? Oh, I'm on pins and needles here. Number two. Now, you could argue that this story could be number one if you ask the Ben Jarofsky show, because my God, did we milk this story ever since it broke. Thank you for the content, Mr. Speaker. <laughs> number two happened i remember the date i didn't have to look it up number two happened on july 17th 2020 yes it's madigan gate 
And I can also recite this word for word without a script. Madigan Gate, the time when utility bigwigs ComEd admitted to arranging jobs, contracts, and payoffs to the associates of one Democratic Illinois House Speaker, Michael Joseph Madigan. <laughs> was that was that when it uh, broke? July seventeenth. Wow. <laughs> July seventeenth. Twenty. Everything was going on in July because that was a Columbus Statue Gate. God, what a what a year! And we were doing it all in my attic, overlooking a porta potty, commenting on the world. Yes, Madigan Gate. Wow. That, by the way. Oh yeah. I don't even know where to start. I don't even know where to start with this. We just had for months and months and months and months. We oh, yeah, we had months. And uh, we just had Danny Mahopoulos uh, from WBEZ on uh, leading us from A to Z. Uh, he'd been breaking stories about Madigan, Madigan Gate. The, the, the story went began before the the um, July 17th. You're right. But the uh, it was on the 17th that uh, the, the case, uh, the feds brought, put their case out. All right. This will very much be alive in 2021. We all know that because a big decision will be made by the Democrats in the state house. The House of Representatives must decide whether they will reelect Michael Joseph Madigan as their leader, as the Speaker of the House. And they're big. They have twofold concern. One is uh, the public relations aspect, like the guy was clearly uh, allowing ComEd to uh, put his cronies on the payroll. Uh, I don't know if there's anything illegal about it, but it's certainly unethical. Uh, and uh, as a, in addition to that, um, he has been uh, the boogeyman of the re- Republicans for the last, I don't know, 10 years or so. Uh, and lots of millions and millions of dollars has been spent uh, turning him into an evil caricature of himself. And it's very been very successful. Voters outside of Chicago do not like Michael Joseph Madigan, to put it mildly. And he is unwilling to change his ways and forcefully defend himself uh, and go on the counterattack. So we have this situation where Michael Madigan is used uh, to, as a caricature in campaigns against other Democrats. And it was pretty successful this time around. And obviously, J.B. Pritzker and Richard Durbin and Tammy Duckworth, who run statewide, realize the consequences to statewide Democratic candidates to having Michael Madigan around. And so that's why they have recommended uh, that he leave the scene. But Madigan's not going anywhere. He's forcing the issue. And the people who will decide whether he remains House Speaker are House Democrats. And most of them are very loyal to Michael Madigan for a whole host of reasons. And many of them are very afraid of Michael Madigan for a whole host of reasons. And many of them are very concerned about the legislative boundaries of the political districts that they will have to inhabit after redistricting. And they know that if they alienate Michael Madigan, he can suddenly put them out of their district so they it's they really don't know how to move on this one d now some 19 of them in districts where people are hostile to madigan have no choice but to come out against michael madigan uh dennis's favorite state rep will gazardi is one of those um who has come out against michael i've kind of warmed up to him (laughs) you know i never liked that band wilco but after Will Gazzardi, I, I, I you know he kind of opened me up to that band. <laughs> so, you know, I I I don't know how this is going to reconcile itself, D. I'm just a observer on. Unsi- okay, you ever get the feeling you're going to watch? 
you, you're standing on a highway and you go, uh-oh, these two cars are heading right at each other. There's no way they can avoid a crash. And I'm just going to sit here and watch it. I kind of have that feeling now. Like, I have no idea how the Dems are going to get out of this one. You know, and uh, who was it that came on the show? Uh, I can't remember. It was defend. Oh, Jamie uh, Andrade came in defending Madigan. Uh and it was sort of like presenting the other side as like they were white elitists. I'm going, man, you guys are really ready to tear the party down and defend this guy. So, D, I have no idea how this is going to play out. I just know, I know this. It will play out in 2021. Oh, and I know this, that bus bit that we do, it's not going anywhere, pal. All <laughs> no, right. Yeah. Uh, so several Democratic leaders, uh, they voted well not voted but they announced that Madigan should resign and step down as speaker as events unfolded here in Madigan Gate even after the general election once every candidate that had Mike Madigan attached to him lost in the election uh old uh Dickie D Dick Durbin even weighed in and said that he should resign as well as Tammy Duckworth and Governor JB Pritzker himself uh so yeah we decided to do a little bit there uh, with the Madigan bus there it is right there. It's parked outside a bus full of Illinois elected leaders of the Democratic persuasion ready to run over the speaker. Oh, we were having a good old time with it. Uh, and our host, Ben Jarofsky, if you, if you recall, flip, flop, flip, flop, flip, flop, flip, 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 He was everywhere, all over the map. He should resign, man. Man, no, he should stay. He should resign. All over the place. I guess one more time before the year's over, we should ask the big feller. You on or off the bus? Uh, okay, just help me out here. Was I on it last time or off it last time? Uh, you were on the bus. I was on the bus? Yeah. So let's do a flip. Let's end the year with a flip flop. Oh, nice. No. Stay with Madigan. I don't care if we all go down. We're going down together. <laughs> I'm staying with the mad dog all the way. There we go. How about that, day? <laughs> I'm not budging. I'm going to... I'm standing shoulder to shoulder with Jamie Andrade and the uh, Chris Welch and all the other Madigan supporters. How about that, D? I just did another flip. I mean, it really means nothing because you'll be back on the other side in like a day. So, I mean, it's really it's a moot yeah. point was what I'm trying to say. Uh, and also shout out to uh, this whole saga because it gave me the opportunity to record this awesome audio drop. That's right, the venture card. That's cool. Ben, are you there? Hello? Okay. Yeah, it's good times, good times. Good times on the Madigan bus. Yeah, a lot of fun on the Madigan bus, by the way. Uh, Gazzardi uh, brings his favorite videos. And, uh, like oh, what videos are those? What videos are those? Uh, well, like Wilco Live. Oh, Ben, <laughs> this is a great Wilco Live in, in Toronto, man. He sings acoustic. Oh, it's so good. Kelly yeah. Cassidy is like, would you two stop talking? I'm trying to have a phone conversation. Sorry, Kelly. It's a lot of fun on the Madigan bus. Oh, there's, uh, there's something funny about Wilco jokes on uh, the show. No, sorry. And Ben, look at this. I got these great pictures of Wilco. <laughs> oh wow, they really are great, man. This is a f this was an album cover that was actually never released. Boy, thanks, man. The favorite band of every male <laughs> office jockey past the age forty. Wilco. Love Wilco. <laughs> Good times. Uh, yeah. So yeah, a lot of fun. They play a lot of Wilco on the um, 
the Madigan, anti-Madigan, a lot of Wilco played on the, you know. And, you know, I hate to bring it up. You just jumped off the bus, but Kelly Cassidy is bringing uh, her special brownies on the bus. Uh, well, you're going to miss it, though. So sorry. Whoa. <laughs> Could be back in that bus by Tuesday, folks. Stick around. All right, guys, that's our number two story <laughs> in our 10 gates of Illinois hell. Madigan Gate. Holy cow, that was good times. And yeah, like you said, uh, that's that's not going anywhere. All right, guys, uh, we've made it through the list here. It's time for our top Illinois Gate of Hell. But before we do that, let's recap. All right, see if I can just remember this off the top of my head. Probably not, but we'll see how it goes. Number ten, Bullshit Gate. Time Kim Fox came on our show and said bullshit, and some broy guy running against her used it in his ads, and probably the most uh, publicity we ever got on the show. So that was awesome. Number nine, Blago Gate. Number eight, Popcorn Gate. Number seven, Bridge Gate. Number six, and Fair Tax Gate. Sorry, Michael Girardi. We talked about it a lot. I know technically it's not a gate, but you know, Fair Tax Gate. Number five, Reefer Gate. Number four. What was number four? Well, let me look. Columbus here. Statue Gate. Columbus Statue Gate. Number three, Lori Lie Gate. And number two, what you just heard there, Madigan Gate. It's time for number one. And number one is a gate so hellacious that it spawned within itself multiple other mini gates of hell <laughs> number one our money number one is mixed message gate <laughs> the time when a worldwide pandemic struck the state of illinois leaving our elected leaders in illinois quite frankly to start talking out of their asses we begin on march 20th 2020 Governor J.B. Pritzker issued a stay-at-home order for the entire state starting at 5 p.m. Saturday through at least April 7th. There's the brown line. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Making Illinois, or making Illinois' most aggressive step yet to try to slow the coronavirus spread. Uh, I have some audio here of J.B. all the way back March 20th. I've asked every one of these experts, what action can I take to save the most lives? Well, they've come back to me with one inescapable conclusion. To avoid the loss of potentially tens of thousands of lives, we must enact an immediate stay-at-home order for the state of Illinois. Let's pause it right there. Ben, take us back to when that went down. Well, we were in the middle, uh, what was the early stages of the pandemic, and there was a lot of ignorance uh, about what it, what, how it would unfold. And, you know, Dennis, when I think about the, uh, like the various stages of the pandemic, there was the early part before this where nobody took it seriously or nobody understood what was going to happen, and there was a, a tendency on the part of our leaders to try to assure us that we'd be okay, and now let's panic. I remember Lori Lightfoot actually uh, having some kind of press event 
where she was saying, really urging people not to stop going to restaurants. Remember that? Just- <laughs> actually, actually, let's uh, let's continue here. One week later, March 27th, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot began enforcing her own lockdown. The Tribune headline reads, as Illinois sees largest daily increase in coronavirus cases, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot bans contact sports, closes popular city parks, beaches, and trails. And I believe that's when haircut gate started, right? Yeah. All right. So, like I said, there was this people didn't really understand what was going down. And then all of a sudden, it became pretty obvious that this is a very scary uh, pandemic. It's worldwide. And uh, then there became over fear. You know, it's like if such a word exists, over fear. Uh, I think people in their, like some people in their mind thought it was like uh, Ebola, which is just a, a god awful wrenching disease, uh, which kills almost anybody that gets it. And then there was the, the realization that it wasn't as bad as Ebola, but it was worse than the flu, and that there were certain people who were more vulnerable than other people. So, uh, uh, more vulnerable than other people. So, everybody's trying to figure it out as they go along, day and make their own decisions. And our leaders are trying to, in the midst of this, uh, enforce ha- practices that would protect us. So, as you were saying, shut down restaurants, shut down bars. Uh, and, um, and they would try to do it with a sternness and a firmness, like warning people, you know, that if you don't follow these rules, there will be consequences. And from the get go, it was a giant mix message because the most embarrassing part about it is that the very politicians who are making these stern warnings and rules were not themselves following the warnings and rules. And that brings us to a certain mayor, Lori Lightfoot, who tried to do a, a comical edge to this by uh, doing a series of public service announcements that were, were supposed to be funny. And one was about how you shouldn't get your nails done during a pandemic and you should just kind of let it go. It's not really a serious crisis. And lo and behold, I don't know, a few days after that, sometime after she did those public service announcements. Right after those announcements. It, it was right. Okay, it was, a photograph was released by a woman who cut Lori Lightfoot's hair. So she got her hair cut. And here's this is where the kind of the wheels started falling off the Lori Lightfoot bus. Because instead of saying, just open, you know what? I screwed up. Please, I'm embarrassed. Just be a human about it. What did she do? She started getting mad at the reporters asking her a question. I'm the mayor of this city. And I'm the face of this city. And I got to look good when I go on camera. I go to national TV. Nobody wants you on national TV, Dr. D. Nobody cares what you look like, so I have to look good. Huh? What? They just did the meme about that. And so that was like the Lori Lightfoot mixed message. And then that, oh, my God, my my favorite mixed message of all time, I think. It's like the one thing we know about uh, COVID, it's, it's you're most vulnerable, like when you're sitting in a, cl- in a closed bar, 
you know, or like you're sitting next to someone that was wearing masks and they're drinking and they're talking. And as they talk, the saliva's f- flying out. And you're least vulnerable when you're walking through the park. Right, D? I mean, it's outside. There's breeze blowing. And so we had a nice day in Chicago. People flocked to the parks on a nice day. I forget when it was, March or something like that. I can't remember. First nice day. Lori Lightfoot got so mad. Next day, she had the press conference. Had photographs of the people. Look, exhibit A. (laughs) These. This is Chicagoans. Look at this guy. He's flying a kite. Look at this guy. He's playing (laughs) soccer. Look at this guy. He's jogging. And Chicagoans are like, sorry, Mayor Lightfoot. (laughs) And I'm closing the parks. What? (laughs) Why would you close the parks? It's... I mean, okay, maybe you don't allow cars into the park, so you limit the number of people who come to the park, but why would you close a park? It's like the safest place to be. It's mixed message. It was just like, I'm the mayor. I get to do what I want. I'm the boss. I get to get a haircut. You don't get a haircut. Yeah. I get a haircut. Yeah, it just made me, I just remember thinking back, oh, okay, I think you're just as clueless as we are, and that's okay. Yeah. That's fine. Just don't you know, try to act like you're not. I know. No, that was the other thing. They'd have the experts come up. This And this is why teachers still don't trust the city. They always have ex- experts who work for public officials. I mean, what's your first loyalty? To the science that you were supposedly spend your lifetime studying or for the boss? I don't know. You know, we saw what happened with Fauci. He's always getting in trouble with Trump. Trump hated him. Now, Fauci proved to be he had integrity, you know, and he he didn't care that Trump would, <laughs> and Trumpsters were tweeting out about him. But, you know, so now the city in its infinite wisdom uh, has decided that we have to close the parks to protect people. Oh, that's great. We'll just, what, sit at home <laughs> and pollute each other? And then they finally, remember they opened them up, but it was just like you had to keep moving. Remember that one day? We had a field day with that one. You can't just stand. No congregating. (laughs) Hey, are you looking at that cloud? Keep moving. No looking at clouds. Uh, But I love the flowers. No. So, yeah, it was like this strange inability to have a consistent message. And then meanwhile, and I've always had... I've always had a lot of sympathy for Pritzker. He's dealing with the nutcases, the lunatics on the right, the Republican Party, I should say, and uh, big feller DB. Well, let, let's get into that. On to April 23rd, okay, uh, a downstate rep sued Governor Pritzker for his five-phase mitigation strategy to safely reopen Illinois. Let's begin with phase one. Not funny, bro. <laughs> Xenia, Illinois State Rep. Darren Bailey. So go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Big, big feller. Big feller. I'm sorry. Decided that he had a constitutionally protected right to spread the virus. And if if possible, get the virus. But no governor was going to tell him. He couldn't walk wherever he walked, wanted to walk, go wherever he wanted to go, with or without a mask, spewing germs in other people's faces. The Constitution guaranteed him that right. 
And he was fired up, man. And all the MAGA was cheering him on. He found some lawyer that loved filing lawsuits. They were filing lawsuits up and down the state, challenging Pritzker, saying Pritzker was a tyrant, comparing Pritzker to a despot. <laughs> so you talk about a mixed message. MAGA's hearing this and going, yeah, I told you. There's nothing wrong with this. I don't know anybody that's died. I don't know anybody who's uh, got it. You know, I think this is this is only Chicago. Remember that they were like one reporter asked the Pritzker, I forget who the reporter was. Why don't you just like put up a cut off Chicago when it was going to surround it with police officers, not let anybody in or out. Wait, what about if they come in through St. Louis? You ever think of that? I mean, it's not just Chicago. You know, it's just, it's, it's like in their minds, it was sort of like, uh, an illness that only spread among people who voted Democrat, particularly black people. This is what people, D, this is what I'm saying. People are like seeing the news stories. They go, hmm, I could just see MAGA's brain working. The people, the early number people were dying, there were black people from Chicago. And so MAGA comes to the conclusion that this disease only affects black people in Chicago. So big DB is like, yeah, it won't, it won't affect us. Oh, yeah, that's and he, he he had that judge. Remember the judge down in Clay County was ruling in his favor. I forget it. McCainy, I think his name was. We had a lot of we talked about that story a lot. The hang him high judge. <laughs> don't come. Don't come into Clay County, Pritzker. You're going to they're going to throw you in jail. So, yeah, that was just another mixed message. By the way, we're still living with that mixed message because there's a lot of folks in the, of the MAGA persuasion who still don't believe it's real. I just saw a 41-year-old Republican congressman uh, died of COVID. 41 years old, D. God. So it's very real. And uh, But they're still filing lawsuits trying to uh, open up the state, calling Pritzker a tyrant and a despot. Uh, and uh, so very much a mixed message, D, on the part of, that, on the part of MAGA, which is we don't believe it's real even though people are dying. I mean, there was mixed messages all over the place. I remember uh, there was the the protest that was going on. Uh, come on and join my convoy, that protest. Where did that take place? Michigan, remember that? Yeah, that was Lansing. That was right. uh, the early, that was the one uh, where you, you were the one who pointed out. Dude, that's when I was about to jump out of that attic window. I was just going insane. Yeah. I remember, yeah, you, it was when that protest hit because you said, I can understand people being upset uh, with uh, restrictions by the government that are really hurting business. And this was a real problem. Like it was putting restaurants and bars out of business. I can understand that. But you go, why do you guys need to go to the protest with Confederate flags, guns, Right. Operation <laughs> Gridlock. Gun. That's it. Operation Gridlock. Yeah. They're guns. N- Nazi swastikas. So, yeah, no, they, they they went off. Yeah, they went off the rails. And then everybody was, was like, oh, my God, these guys are out there protesting. How horrible. You're spreading the virus. And then next thing you know, thousands of people are protesting. But it's on the left. So I guess that's yeah. OK. It was just mixed. Yeah. Like I said, I felt like you ever go to a party like late. You ever arrive to a party late and everyone is drunk except you. You ever have that? Yes. And you're trying to talk, you're trying to, you're trying to talk with people and you just can't communicate at all. That's how I felt this summer with every, with all that was going on. Uh, No, Dennis. uh, And then on a personal level, uh, Dennis's 
dad died like right yeah. in the middle of it all. Yeah. And you had to go uh, home to Alton. Uh, and you saw firsthand the split in the state. You know, we're mm-hmm. in downstate. There was far less mask wearing. Yeah, no joke. No joke. Someone called me a pussy for not wearing my mask <laughs> at the gas station when I went back home. Dude, I've never even met in my mask. life. Yeah, I had my, oh, yeah, yeah, I had my yeah. mask on. The guy was like, pussy. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. So he saw firsthand. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and that's, of course, when we uh, uh, started doing the show. Uh, half of it, he's in his house. I'm in mine because we had a social distance after he went to Alton. Uh, that's worked out pretty well for the show. But yeah, insane times. Uh, every day, a different message. And you're right, D. I stand by the the counter protests on the left. I mean, it had nothing to do with um, uh, the pandemic or COVID, but the protests around uh, that emerged after George Floyd's murder, people just said, that's it, we have to protest. I go, aren't we in the middle of a pandemic? And then Trump's people use that. They use that. Like, so when Trump started having his rallies and uh, people would say, you're having these rallies uh, in the middle of a pandemic, Trump goes, well, they had their rallies against uh, police brutality. So we're going to have our rallies. Like this country has lost its mind. (laughs) Absolutely lost its mind. They politicized a pandemic somehow or other. uh, Wearing a mask was a sign of lack of masculine virility okay and you can't go to like a small business where there's probably like 10 people tops and i'm being you know at the most 10 people in like a small business but you can go to walmart where like hundreds of people are like what the hell yeah so a lot of mixed (laughs) messages the churches have to be closed but liquor stores are open i mean people trying to figure out i'm not saying it's easy to figure it out but lots of mixed messages ladies and gentlemen and every day like, so we're, we do with the news. Dennis would read the news. And we're supposed to, what, comment on it? Don't look at me. <laughs> I just live in this insane world. And may I'm hoping, hoping that at this time next year, this will be something in the past, that the vaccine will have been widely dis- distributed, and that we'll be able to congregate freely without worrying about it. I mean, probably people will be wearing masks. I bet you, I don't think I will ever, even with the vaccine, will ever go on an airplane without a mask from here on out. You know, right. I just, Isn't that crazy? It's, yeah, I just got a feeling that if I ever make it back on an airplane, I'm wearing a mask. And, uh, you know, how long before I go to my beloved bowling alley? I don't know. Step by step. Yeah, we'll you're going to be uh, Wii bowling in a, in a matter of time. <laughs> Nintendo bowling. Yeah. Uh, so, so as the summer rolled along, so did uh, Mixed Message Gate. And, uh, well, we can't let Mixed Message Gate, we can't end it without talking about this. Uh, the time when restaurants in Chicago couldn't oh. have indoor dining. <laughs> but... <laughs> A particular alderman and owner of maybe the best cinnamon roll recipe in America uh, opened a secret indoor speakeasy for cinnamon rolls. You have to be Uh, a good neighbor. You have to be a good neighbor. Otherwise, I'm going to be up your butt every day. Tom Tunney, cinnamon roll gate. You know, what can I say? 
it's really hard to say, well, this is the most low life thing uh, elected officials done because Donald Trump, I mean, I don't know. In the course of the year, when you said local D, so I'm concentrating local, but wow, what blatant hypocrisy and what a horrible mixed message. Tom Tunney, alderman, one of the most powerful aldermen in the city of Chicago, head of the zoning committee. Every single development deal that gets passed by the city council goes through his committee. Every developer is somehow or other indebted to him. Tom Tunney, a Democrat. In the face of J.B. Pritzker's order that restaurants not have indoor dining, is operating is operating the cinnamon roll uh, speakeasy and uh, to get in you had to like what knock and then you had a password I'm not making this up like cinnamon roll I don't know what the password was then they let you in and then when he was discovered he was busted second city cop the online uh, police uh, website busted him Tribune sometimes ran stories about it he said oh I'm sorry I made a mistake a mistake. My bad. My bad. My bad. I don't even think he said my bad. Oops. Trust me. Moving forward won't happen again. Really embarrassing moment. Just made everybody, all Democrats look bad. Just public officials look bad. You know, made the, the restaurants who were abiding by the rules look like suckers. It was everything that's just, it was like the Chicago mentality at play. Well, these rules don't apply to me. I know somebody. I'm the alderman. That's that, that Chicago mentality. You know somebody, get away with anything. It's at the heart of, of the story we talked about with Laquan McDonald. Well, you know, all right, let's just bury this. You know, we'll protect the mayor. So, yeah, D. We talk so much about cinnamon roll gate. You're right. It's a subset of the larger gate. But I would say for a public official and one of the most powerful aldermen in the city council to operate a cinnamon roll speakeasy in violation of the governor's uh, order would be the ultimate mixed message of the pandemic. Oh hey, brown line. All right, that's our uh, that's our countdown, guys. <laughs> that was what a the, year! That, what a year! That was number one. I'm exhausted after all of that. Holy crap! I think mixed message gate was the perfect number one. We were going back and forth on uh, Madigan gate and mixed message gate, and uh, I think the, I think we made the right choice. What do you think, Ben? I do, and I'll say this: uh, the uh, the ultimate uh, essence of mixed message gate is as uh, to quote uh, Dennis's. Uh, Aunt Cindy, rules for thee and not for me. And I'll just close this by saying that will very much be an issue going forward, not just in Chicago, not just in Illinois, but worldwide. Everybody wants to make rules, but not a lot of people want to follow them. And there it was, guys. Our 10 gates of Illinois hell. The Ben Jarofsky Show's year in review, the top 10 stories in Chicago and or Illinois. Boy, that was fun, huh? It was fun. Now I'm going to go downstairs and take a nap. I'm exhausted. The 10 Gates of Illinois. I want to live
Please, 2021, be better. Please be better. All right. Well, I don't know about that, D, since, uh, as I pointed out, I think all 10 of these stories will be following us uh, into 2021. All right, everybody. Have a great new year. Uh, Enjoy yourself. Be safe. And uh, we'll see you on Tuesday with a live new Ben Jarofsky show. Uh, Ben, do we have do we know who's going to be on? Absolutely. I mentioned it already. It's going to be a great show. Uh, we'll be starting the year right. Dave Glowatz uh, will be on, and he'll be breaking down uh, city council antics. Uh, Mr. City Council, we call him. Uh, so that's a perfect way to begin the year uh, with city council, Mr. City Council coming in. And then Al Harrington will be in, and we'll just pick it up where we left off, everybody. So take care, everybody. See you on Tuesday. I want an answer. I want an answer. You have to be a good neighbor. You have to be a good neighbor. I want an answer. I want an answer. I want an answer. It's not something you ignore. I think you're 100% full of shit, is my thing. If you think we want to fucking fuck you, then. Who are you going to tell me I'm full of shit? You have to be a good neighbor. Number one. Number one. Oh, we're a bunch.